Last week, we began our spooky tour of the most haunted city of the United States of America. A place with a rich history and a reputation worldwide for its ghosts. From the Revolutionary War to the Civil War, it has seen its fair share of death and destruction, and some say that the spirits of those who died still linger here in the shadows. Tonight, join me as we continue our ghost walk of Savannah, Georgia. Welcome to episode 47 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location and of course, the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week, we conclude our time in the haunted south of America and ask again, just how haunted is Savannah, Georgia? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. The Keogh House. The Keogh House is a historic building that was built in 1892 at a cost of $25,000 by William Keogh an Irish immigrant who made a fortune in the iron business. The house is a Queen Anne-style mansion with 15 rooms and is located in Columbia Square, one of the most historic squares in Savannah. William was just 10 years old when he came to America in 1842 with his mother, father, four brothers and three sisters. The family immigrated from County Wexford in Ireland. William apprenticed in an iron foundry and worked his way up to foreman and he would eventually buy the foundry, which was located east of Broughton Street. After World War I, he built a new foundry on the riverfront, and before long, he was one of the most successful businessmen in all of the city. In 1868, William Kehoe married Anne Flood, 
and by the time he had the house built on Columbia Square in 1892, they had ten children. The Kehoe family home was a bustling and active place. However, the Kehoe family's happiness was not to last. In 1894, one of the Kehoe children, a young boy named William Jr., died of scarlet fever. He was just eight years old. This was understandably a devastating blow to the family. In 1930, the Kehoe house was sold to a funeral home, and it served as a funeral parlour for many years. In 1990, it was renovated, and it opened as a bed and breakfast in 1992 called the William Kehoe House. The property was sold again in 2003, and purchased by the current owner, HLC Hotels, in May of 2007. The Kehoe House is made of brick and iron with a number of stained glass windows. It is now one of the most popular hotels in Savannah, as well as one of the most haunted, with guests all too often reporting seeing and hearing strange things that they can't explain. Some of the most common ghost sightings at the Kehoe House include the ghost of young William Jr., who is said to appear in the upstairs hallway. Other guests have reported seeing the ghost of a young woman in a white dress, who is said to be the ghost of a former maid, but it seems her identity is lost to time. She has been seen by guests in the bedroom and hallways, and she has also been heard crying in the night. There have been reports of footsteps heard, disembodied voices, and the sound of laughing coming from empty rooms. There have been other ghosts reported at the Kehoe house, including the ghost of children playing in the backyard, the ghost of a man in a top hat, and the ghost of a woman who was murdered in the house. The cry of a baby is heard coming from empty rooms. When the door is opened, there's nobody there and the crying stops immediately. An unsubstantiated claim is that the house has a number of hidden passages, which are said to have been used by the Kehoe family to smuggle slaves out of Savannah. These passages, if they exist, are so well hidden that no one knows where they are. If they do exist, it's possible they've been covered up during the many periods of renovation and remodelling that the house has undergone. 1790 Inn and Restaurant Located on East President Square, just west of Columbia Square, 1790 is Savannah's oldest inn, occupying a building dating to 1790, thus predating the foundation of the square and explaining the name of the business. The property, which is situated in the Savannah Historic District, occupies what was originally three separate residences. The western part of the building on Lincoln Street was built in around 1822 by Steel White and was a duplex. The smaller eastern section, meanwhile, was built by the Powers family in 1888. The ground level is believed to be part of an earlier structure that was burned in the Savannah Fire of 1820. The inn also owns a three-storey guesthouse across East York Street. In the early 1800s, the western section of the building was home to a doctor's office and a boarding house. The eastern section was used as a residence by a number of different families. In the late 1800s, the two sections were combined to form a single building. The 1790 Inn was opened in 1969 by the Demir family. The Demir family had a long history in Savannah, and they wanted to create a place that would celebrate the city's rich history. The Inn was an immediate success, and it quickly became one of Savannah's most popular tourist destinations. The 1790 Inn 
is known for its historic charm and its commitment to providing guests with a unique and memorable experience. The inn has 32 rooms, each of which are decorated in a different style. The inn offers a variety of amenities, including a restaurant serving classic southern cuisine, a tavern and a gift shop. The inn also offers a number of special events throughout the year, such as wine tastings and, of course, ghost tours. For the 1790 inn has a reputation for being haunted. There have been reports of guests seeing and hearing strange things, such as footsteps, voices seeming to come from nowhere, and the sound of laughter coming from empty rooms. Some guests have even claimed to have seen the ghost of a young woman called Anna, who is said to have died in the inn. It's been written that she died here in the early 1800s. Her ghost appears in room 204, and she has been seen by many guests over the years. Her presence is accompanied by the smell of a sweet perfume. Another ghost that is often seen at the 1790 Inn is that of a man in a top hat. This ghost is a doctor who once lived at the inn. He has been seen walking around the property. He is said to be a much more gentle spirit. People say that he feels friendly. Other phantoms said to roam the building is the ghost of a young servant boy, an African woman who was a slave bought to cook for one of the three original residences on this site, and the ghost of a woman scorned. Her angry spirit is seen banging around. There have also been reports of ghost children seen playing in the backyard of the inn. Why the ghosts of these young children remain here, we will never know. Colonial Park Cemetery Colonial Park Cemetery was established in 1750, making it the oldest public cemetery in all of Savannah. The cemetery is home to over 10,000 graves, including the resting place of many notable figures from Savannah's history, including the Revolutionary War hero Button Gwynnett. The cemetery is divided into two sections, the old section and the new section. The old section, as you can guess, is the oldest part of the cemetery, and it is where most of the notable figures are buried, as well as Revolutionary War soldiers and victims of yellow fever. The new section was added in the 19th century, and is far less exclusive, being somewhere that citizens from any walk of life in the city can be laid to rest. The cemetery is also said to be haunted. There have been reports of seeing and hearing strange things, such as orbs of light floating around the gravestones, disembodied voices, and the sound of footsteps. Some people believe that the ghosts of the people who are buried in the cemetery are still here, watching over the city. The cemetery is also said to be haunted by the ghosts of several figures. One of the most well-known ghosts is that of René Rondolia, a man who was convicted of murder and hanged in the cemetery in 1767. His ghost is said to appear in the cemetery, and he has been seen by many people over the years. Another ghost that is seen here is a young woman who is said to have been murdered in the cemetery. Her ghost is said to appear in the old section of the cemetery, and she has been crying and looking for her killer. Little children have been seen playing in the cemetery, appearing to be playing a game of hide-and-seek. The ghost of a soldier who died in the Civil War is here, and the ghost of a woman who was a victim of yellow fever. 
ghosts are being captured here in photos and on video. With a video going viral on YouTube recorded in 2008, appearing to show a ghostly young boy. I've put the link to this video in the podcast episode description. Sorel Weed House The Sorel Weed House is a historic mansion built in 1835 by Francis Sorel, a wealthy shipping merchant and esteemed citizen of Savannah. The Sorel House is a Greek Revival style mansion with 22 rooms and is located at 6 West Harris Street in Savannah's historic district. The house is made of brick and features a two-storey portico and Doric columns. In 1859, following the death of Francis Sorel's second wife Matilda, the house was sold to Henry D. Weed, a prominent Savannah businessman. Unusually, he asked Francis Sorel to board up the windows. This was to keep men from peeking at his daughters from the street. The Weed family owned the house for over a century, until 1962, when it was sold to the historic Savannah Foundation. The Sorel Weed House is now a museum that's open to the public. The house is furnished with period pieces and it offers visitors a glimpse into the life of a wealthy Savannah family in the 19th century. And of course, it's as haunted as it is historic. Several people haunt the Sorel Weed House, but one of the most well-known ghosts is that of Francis Sorel's second wife Matilda. Matilda committed suicide in the house in 1859 having caught her husband having an affair with their head servant, which some sources call Molly. The discovery was so devastating that she threw herself off the third story balcony. Molly the servant felt so much guilt that she hung herself shortly afterwards in the carriage house. The ghost of Matilda Sorel is seen in the upstairs hallway. She exudes sadness, and visitors have been known to start weeping for no apparent reason. This is a sure sign that Matilda is present. The head servant Molly is seen dangling from the noose in the area which was once the carriage house, in a terrifying replay of her final moments. Another ghost that is often seen at the Sorel Weed House is that of a young woman who is believed to have been murdered in the house. Her ghost is said to appear in the bedroom where she was killed. She has been seen crying and looking for her killer. Who she is, and when she was killed, is unknown. There have been the reports of children playing around the house. Who these children are and why they remain here we don't know. Visitors have reported that mobile phone batteries drain impossibly quickly when in the house, especially when in the basement. Calhoun Square Calhoun Square is one of the 22 squares in Savannah's historic district. It is located at the intersection of Abercorn Street and Taylor Street, and it is named after John C. Calhoun, a South Carolina politician who served as the 7th Vice President of the United States from 1825 to 1832. He served under John Quincy Adams and Andrew Jackson. Calhoun Square was laid out in 1851, and it was originally called Massey Square. The name was changed to Calhoun Square in 1857. The square is home to a number of notable buildings, including the Wesley Monumental United Methodist Church, the Adam Short property, and the Alexander Bennett House. The Wesley Monumental United Methodist Church was built in 1868, and is one of the most prominent churches in all of Savannah. The Adam Short property is a Georgian-style townhouse 
that was built in 1853. The Alexander Bennett House is a federal-style townhouse that was built in 1856. Calhoun Square is also home to a number of memorials, including a Civil War monument and a Confederate War memorial. The Civil War monument was dedicated in 1875 and it commemorates the soldiers who fought for the Confederacy. The Confederate War Memorial was dedicated in 1876 and it commemorates the soldiers who fought for the Union. Calhoun Square is a popular destination for tourists and locals alike. The square is a great place that people watch, relax or take a stroll. It is also a popular spot for weddings and other events. In recent years, there has been some controversy surrounding Calhoun Square. Some people believe that the name of the square should be changed because of its association with John C. Calhoun, who was a staunch supporter of slavery. Others believe that the square should be left as it is, as a reminder of Savannah's history. The debate over the future of Calhoun Square is likely to rage on for some time. However, there's no doubt that the square is a significant part of Savannah's history and culture, and these days is considered one of the city's most haunted places. And in a city such as this, that's really saying something. The square is home to the Massey Heritage Centre, which is why it was originally named Massey Square, as it was built in 1851, the same year as the square. It was built as a school for African American children. The school was closed in 1865 after the Civil War, and it is said that the spirits of these children who attended the school still haunt the building to this day. One of the most famous ghost stories associated with Calhoun Square is a story of the Espy family. The Espies were a wealthy family who lived in a house in the square in the 19th century. The story goes that the Espy's daughter was murdered by her father and her spirit still haunts the house. Her presence is often accompanied by the strong smell of perfume. The ghost of a young woman who was murdered in the 1800s is seen here. It appears unclear if this is the same woman as the Espy's daughter that was killed, but it appears that they are separate spirits. Her ghost appears in the square at twilight, and she is seen sobbing and looking for her killer. One witness claims that as she walked, she left a trail of blood on the ground behind her. The ghost of a soldier who died in the Civil War is seen here. His ghost appears in the square on the anniversary of his death, and he is often seen wearing his uniform and carrying his rifle. The ghost of a woman who was a victim of yellow fever is seen here. Her ghost appears in the square during the summer months, and she is seen begging for help. It's been written, although there doesn't appear to be any historical evidence whatsoever to back it up, that the square itself is the site of a massive unmarked slave burial ground, including at least one who it's claimed was buried alive, and has never been able to rest since. Visitors to the square often report feeling uneasy, and some have felt like they're suffocating. This is blamed on the slave burial ground that they're standing on top of. It's estimated that there may be thousands of bodies buried in the area in and around Calhoun Square. In 2004, construction workers uncovered a skull and various other human bones along the southeast corner of the square, adding some credibility to this claim. There have been other ghosts reported at Calhoun Square, including the ghosts of children playing in the square, a phantom cat, and the spectre of a man in a top hat. 
People have reported hearing disembodied voices calling across the square in the dead of night when it's empty and feeling cold spots. Some people have even claimed to be touched by the ghosts that lurk here. 432 Abercorn Street 432 Abercorn Street was built in 1868 for Civil War veteran and Irish immigrant Benjamin J. Wilson. The house is a three-storey Greek Revival-style mansion with 22 rooms. It is located on Abercorn Street, which is one of the most prestigious streets in Savannah. The Wilson family lived in the house for many years and it was passed down through generations. In the 1950s, the house was sold to a doctor who converted it into a medical office. The house was vacant since the doctor's death in the 1980s and it was empty for over 40 years. But it's recently undergone an extensive multi-million dollar renovation with its new owners moving into what is now their family home in March of 2021. It's claimed that during the four decades that the building lay empty, American author, musician and Satanist Anton DeVay tried to buy it to use it as the East Coast branch for his organisation, the Church of Satan. This would be appropriate, as 432 Abercorn Street is well known in the area for its ghosts. One of the best known phantoms in 432 Abercorn Street is that of Benjamin J. Wilson, Wilson's ghost is said to appear in the upstairs hallway, and he is often seen wearing his Civil War uniform. Wilson was a decorated Civil War veteran who served in the Union Army. He was wounded in battle and lost a leg. After the war, Wilson returned to Savannah and built the house right here. He lived in the house with his wife and children until his death in 1890. But there's a tragic tale connected to Wilson. He allegedly saw his daughter playing with children from the nearby Massey School, and considered them beneath her. As a punishment, he left his daughter tied to a chair in her room for days on end, in the sweltering savannah heat. She died, and Wilson, having regained his senses, felt so much guilt that he took his own life in the house. The young girl's face is seen pressed up against the second floor window peering out, watching children playing and running around in Calhoun Square below. Another ghost that is seen at 432 Abercorn Street is that of Wilson's wife. Her ghost is said to appear in the kitchen, and she is often seen cooking. Wilson's wife was a talented cook, and she loved cooking for her family and her friends. After her husband's death, she continued to live in the house alone on Abercorn Street until she died. The most disturbing ghost here is that of a young woman who was murdered in the house. Her ghost is said to appear in the bedroom where she was killed, and she is often seen crying and looking for help. When people have been passing this particular bedroom, screaming has been heard coming from within, as if the murder is being replayed. The young woman was a servant who worked at the house, and she was murdered by one of the Wilson family guests. The guest was never caught, and the young woman's murder remains unsolved. Some have written, that the Wilson family and the friends covered it up because the person who committed the murder was seen to be above the servant girl in social standing. There have also been reports of other ghosts here, including the ghosts of little children playing in the house. There is a tradition in the area that your camera will break if you try to take a photograph of 432 Abercorn Street. 
So if you've just picked up the latest iPhone or a Samsung Galaxy, you might want to think twice about trying to take a photo of this particular location. Hamilton Turner Inn Further along Abercorn Street is the Hamilton Turner Inn. It was built in 1873 for Samuel Pugh Hamilton, a wealthy shipping merchant and esteemed citizen of Savannah. The inn is a second empire style house and it is located at number 330 Abercorn Street. It is made of brick and features a two-storey portico with Doric columns. In 1915, the Hamilton family sold the house to a Dr Francis Turner, a prominent Savannah physician. The Turner family owned the house until 1965. In 1965, the house was sold at the historic Savannah Foundation, which restored it to its former glory and opened it up as a bed and breakfast. The inn is now a popular tourist destination, as well as supposedly being haunted by the ghosts of several people. One of the most well-known ghosts is that of Dr Francis Turner. Turner's ghost is said to appear in the upstairs hallway, often seen wearing his medical coat. Guests have reported seeing his ghost casually strolling down the hallway, and some have even claimed to be touched by him. Another ghost that is often seen here is that of Joe Odom. Joe was a former employee of the inn who died at a fire in 1974. Odom's ghost appears in the kitchen, and he is often seen cooking. Guests have reported smelling food cooking in the kitchen, even when the kitchen is closed and there's nobody in there. Some have claimed to see a figure moving around in the kitchen. Others have reported smelling the acrid smoke of fire, and hearing the screams of a dying man, clearly in excruciating pain. A third ghost that is said to haunt the Hamilton Turner Inn is a woman in white. This ghost is said to appear in the garden, and she is seen crying. Some believe this is a spirit of a woman who was murdered in the house, while others believe that she is simply a woman who was lost. Children are heard laughing here, and a man is seen sitting on the roof smoking a cigar. Bonaventure Cemetery the eerily beautiful Gothic Bonaventure Cemetery is located on a bluff overlooking the Wilmington River. It's the final resting place of many of the city's most prominent citizens. Sitting on the grounds of a former plantation, it was the private Evergreen Cemetery before it was purchased by the city of Savannah in 1907, when it was renamed and opened to public burials. Today, Bonaventure is the largest of Savannah's municipal cemeteries encompassing nearly 160 acres. The cemetery is a beautiful and serene place to visit. The winding pathways, towering trees and lush vegetation make it a peaceful place to reflect on life and death. Bonaventure Cemetery is a must visit for anybody interested in Savannah's history or its beautiful landscaping. The cemetery may look peaceful, but it does have a dark history. We know that people were buried alive here. This may sound like a ghoulish tale, but it's sadly a fact. As on the underside of coffin lids, desperate scratch marks have been found by grave robbers. Often the resident of the coffin's fingers have been worn away to the bone, so frantic and desperate they must have been, as they waited to inevitably die right there in that tiny wooden box, buried underground. This happened when people were in a coma, and their heart rate was so low that they were mistakenly declared dead, long before modern technology would ensure this couldn't happen. They'd be laid to rest, sent on their journey by their grieving relatives and friends, 
As they were placed beneath the ground, an earth gently shoveled on top of the coffin lid. Then on some occasion, the person would wake up and find themselves in the worst, most terrific situation. In order to prevent this from happening, a system was introduced, whereby a string would be tied to the finger of the deceased and attached to a bell next to the grave. This is where the phrase, saved by the bell, comes from. There are a lot of children's graves in the cemetery. These are the gravestones in the shape of small babies' cradles. In the 1800, child mortality was tragically high, with only 54% of children living to see their fifth birthday. One of these little kids who was laid to rest here is anything but at rest. Gracie Watson was six years old when she fell ill with pneumonia and died. Gracie had lived at the Pulaski Hotel, which stood on Bull Street, and is now long gone, with a cafe being built in the 1950s in its place. Her parents had owned it, and all of the guests loved little Gracie. She was a very happy little girl, full of youthful innocence, and she would roam the hotel, singing, dancing, smiling and laughing all day long. Her loss hit everybody who knew and loved her hard, and her parents were inconsolable. They wanted to give her a grave marker worthy of their daughter, and commissioned John Waltz to carve her a marble statue which looked exactly like her, wearing her favourite dress. She is looking up towards heaven, where she would remain, singing, dancing, smiling and laughing, until her parents were reunited with her in the afterlife. For over a century, Little Gracie's grave has been one of the most popular graves for visitors in Bonaventure Cemetery to visit. Visitors leave her toys, flowers, money and other trinkets as a mark of respect. After Gracie's untimely passing, her mother claimed to hear her laughter and singing echoing through the halls of the hotel. The building standing in the hotel's place is now Regent's Bank, and it appears Gracie is still around as staff claim to often hear her infectious laughter around the building. Some have even seen the apparition of a young girl wearing the very dress she is wearing in her statue, around the bank and the cemetery. It is said that if you take any of the gifts left at her grave, her statue will cry tears of blood. Another ghost at the cemetery is the woman in white. She appears in the cemetery's most secluded areas, and she is often seen weeping. Some believe that the woman in white is the spirit of a woman who was murdered in the cemetery, while others believe she mourns the loss of her child who died an infant, but it seems unlikely we'll ever know who she is, or why she remains tied to this place. Another famous ghost of Bonaventure Cemetery is the Soldier. This phantom appears on the anniversary of the Battle of Savannah, which occurred between the 19th of September and the 16th of October 1779. He is seen wearing his Civil War uniform. Some believe that he was killed at the battle, while others believe that he is simply a soldier who is reliving the horrors of war. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you will see photos galore relating to our ghost walk of Savannah, Georgia. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com Feedback, location suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. 
Feel free to ask me any questions you like, and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. If you'd like to support the show, you could sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1. If you'd like to get early, add free access to episodes, as well as access to exclusive episodes where you can join me on an actual paranormal investigation and hear the audio exactly as it happened. You can gain access right now for less than the price of a pint, and there's 11 episodes of this nature waiting for you right now. There's also a tier where not only do you get all of that, but you can also get yourself some exclusive How Haunted merch, including a mug and a t-shirt, as well as joining me on an actual paranormal investigation via live stream. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash howhauntedpod to find out more. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation to support the podcast, why not donate £2 to buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash howhauntedpod. All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in this podcast episode description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out we return to the UK, into a castle dating back to the 14th century, built up on the site of a 1st century Iron Age brock. And this land also saw Viking occupation. This place has a whole host of ghostly tales, but the best known is that of the nursemaid who accidentally dropped a baby out of one of the windows to its death. This saw her punished by death, and the screams of both her and the baby are still heard carried on the wind here. But there's more, so much more. So join me next week when we head to the Isle of Skye and step foot inside Duntullum Castle. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe, and join me next time when we once again ask the question, How Haunted? <laughs>